And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr, and suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a hobo. This your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order. You know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and listen to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. The Whistler. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, it's a Christmas drama on Nightbeat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Chicago newspaper reporter Randy Stone from 1950. Then, Ella Fitzgerald makes a guest appearance on a Christmas time edition of the Bing Crosby show from 1952. With me to help present these radio classics is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hi, Carl. Are you enjoying your membership in the Classic Radio Club? I do. I get the CDs. I happen to like getting them delivered to my door. I kind of like the idea of a gift once a month. I, I like a digital download, but in this particular case, I appreciate having the hard copy. But I, I know there are also a lot of people that prefer a digital download, so that's great that you can offer both. Yeah, you know, we did have a lot of... Uh, of our listeners saying, you know, I want to join the club. I want to get 10 classic radio shows in brilliant sound quality sent to me every single month, but I really don't want CDs. Right. So we, um, we figured out a way to have a digital option at the website. And you can listen to these on any listening device if you have the digital option. And you will also get the liner notes sent to you on a PDF. So check out both ways you can join the Classic Radio Club. You can get the CDs or the digital downloads. Just go to ClassicRadioClub.com. All of the information is there. And if you do elect to uh, subscribe to the digital option, you will save not only the shipping and handling, but it's cheaper. It's uh, it's only $9.99 a month. The first month, it's only $4.99 introductory offer, and then it's $9.99 a month, and you will get 10 shows digitally sent to you, plus the liner notes and all the fun facts and things. So, But you don't get the collector case. You don't get the case with the CDs. That's a little more money, but, you know, some people don't want CDs. Now, me, I'm like you, Lisa. I like the CDs. I like having the case, you know? Mine's not so, so much about the case. But okay, <laughs> mine's just more about just having the hard copy yeah. of it, and you um, can listen on any on yeah. any CD player. And you can player. share them well that way. Yeah, that's too. true. But we want our listeners to have two options: right. CDs or digital downloads. Having the case though reminds me of like <laughs> records. Remember, like yeah. when, you, when you used to play records sure. and you'd look through all the liner notes, oh, and yeah. the case and stuff. Yeah. It reminds me of that. We so. started by just having the CD option, but people were saying, "I want to join, but we want the digital." So now you can. And get the digital option. Go to ClassicRadioClub.com. All right, it is time now for Night Beat. This was a newspaper drama that came to NBC Radio in February 1950, and it starred Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone, reporter for the Chicago Star newspaper, and he covered the Night Beat, roaming the Windy City, searching for human interest stories for his column. L.A.'s supporting players like Joan Banks, Parley Bear, William Conrad, Paul Fries were heard in the support.
supporting cast, and it aired until 1952. We have a Christmas episode for you now from December 20th, 1950, called The Christmas Story. This is Frank Lovejoy now, starring in Nightbeat. NBC presents transcribed Frank Lovejoy in... Hi, this is Randy Stone. I cover the night beat for the Chicago Star. Christmas Eve. Jingle bells, silent night, boughs of holly. Yeah, they say there's a warmth about Christmas that spreads out like a fan and touches everyone. The holiday spirit, it's called. But right at the moment, I'm thinking of one character who was nearly left out in the cold last Christmas. None other than yours truly. Me, myself, Randy Stone. It started out like any other Christmas Eve. An exchange of gifts, a few drinks, some off-key caroling. Everybody killing time until the going-home nod from the boss. Everybody, that is, but me. No, I wasn't going home. Because as far back as I can remember, Christmas has been another work day for Stone. I waited around for the noisy holiday gang to leave so I could settle down to work. And then Sam Bullock, the big boss, sent for me, and I walked across to his office. Oh, come in, Randy, come in. How are you, boss? Sit down, Randy. Oh, such politeness can mean only one thing. I'm fired. <laughs> now, this is even more embarrassing, Randy. I'm uh, going to give you a little something in the way of a present. Ah, I'll come back when you're sober. <laughs> When's the last time you had Christmas off, my boy? I can't remember why. Well, you're having this one off. Five days of it to spend with your family. Well, what family? Boss, you know better than that. What'll I do with myself? Well, a man who knows as many people as you do, it'll be the best thing in the world for you. Hey, yeah. Yeah, it might really be something. Say, I could call Alex Stevens. He's been bothering me for eight years to spend Christmas with his family. Sure. Or maybe Alice over in Classified. <laughs> you know, I'm beginning to like the idea. <laughs> okay, well, you'd better beat it before this noble impulse of mine evaporates. Well, you hang on to it. I'm leaving now. <laughs> and, uh, Randy. Yeah? Uh, Merry Christmas to you. Right back at you, Chief. And thanks for the break. The revelers had gone now, and the office was empty except for one man. Old Ed Collins sat watching the teletype machines. He looked up when he saw me. Thought you'd gone, Randy. Nope. What are you looking so smug about? Our boss gave me five days off. Swell. What are you going to do, go home? Home is a bachelor apartment on 7th Avenue. No, Collins, I'm going to call my old pal Alex Stevens in Decatur and tell him to meet the morning train. Good idea. Long distance? I want to call Decatur, the Stevens residence. Alex Stevens in Decatur. No, I'll wait. Mm-hmm. Ah, phone's ringing all right. Good, good. Oh, this little floor, Alec. Eight years he's been after me. Must have an old maid sister-in-law or something. Careful, Randy. Tried to marry me off once when I was younger. <laughs> Should have answered by now. Oh, what's that, operator? Oh, no, no. No use ringing anymore. He must have gone out of town for the holidays. Gone out of town, eh? Yeah, yeah. I guess I'll have to settle for female company.
Hmm. Not home either? Well, that was a screwy idea. I don't know why I went for it. Phoning people the last minute like this? Guy, with the friends you have... You... Oh, sure, sure, sure. The friends I have, millions of them, till I go looking for one. Oh, there's a Christmas card for you on my desk. Keep forgetting to give it to you. I'll get it later. Hey, my folks only live 40 miles out. Boy, would they be glad to have you spend a few days with them. I could call them. No, Ed, forget it. What's a guy like me want with a holiday on Christmas? I'm shoving off, Ed. How about that envelope on my desk? Later. Looks like I might be back to play a little pinochle with you. Am I more? All I've got to do is phone No, I'll make that all right. See you later. And have yourself a time. Merry Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Merry Christmas. I didn't want to make any more calls in front of Collins, so I headed for the nearest phone booth. Well, I made another three, four calls. No dice. Randy Stone, a guy who couldn't walk a downtown block without saying hello to half a dozen people... Couldn't find one lousy bum would be his friend tonight, Christmas Eve. I went back to the office hoping some big story had broken so that I could put myself to work. Nothing come in, Ed? Not a thing. Even the thugs are home tonight. Anybody phone me? No. Uh, here's that letter I was telling you about. Oh, thank you. What's that, money? It's a 50 cent piece. <laughs> what do you want, your autograph? It just says... God bless you, Mr. Stone, signed Catherine Malloy. I don't know any Catherine Malloy. Hey, this is all the earmarks of an office gag and a pretty poor one at that. It's half a buck. Yeah, it'll buy a drink. Say, Randy. Yeah? I, I thought maybe you'd change your mind about going out to my folks' place. Oh, thank you, Ed. No, no, thank you. My ma, she... No, I said no. Uh, Ed, no, no, thank you. Outside it was snowing, light and fluffy, like it had been specially ordered for the occasion. And the people went about their business humming and singing little snatches of song. You know, oh, what fun it is to ride in the one-horse open sleigh. Yeah, there was warmth and good feeling everywhere. But my mood was more than a match for it, and I was beginning to feel sorry for myself. Like an unwanted cat, I took my mood out to get it drowned at Bobby's Bar. Randy, how are you, boy? How are you? Wow. What's with this place? It's like a morgue. <laughs> Haven't you heard? It's Christmas. Yeah, I've heard. Will you put a dime in that thing and get something snappy? Okay. There we are. Hey. You lonely, Randy? Give me a whiskey sour, isn't it? Yeah. That's the way it is with me, too. I don't need nobody. Nobody needs me. <laughs> it's all right, I guess. Only two or three times a year, you wish it was different. You know when it hits me? Christmas, Easter, and May 17th. That's the date my mother died. But Christmas and Easter was a big time in our house. You know, we had 11 kids. Look, why don't you write a book? You act like this was something new to you. To me, it's like this every Christmas. You know, the important thing is don't be alone. How much do I owe you? 50 cents. Here. You know, when you try and fight it, you got to lose. Uh, Randy, are you going into a new business? What do you mean? Well, I thought maybe you might have gone into manufacturing. Manufacturing what? Coins. But, brother, if you are, you've got a lot to learn. This is about the phoniest half a buck I ever saw. Phony? Yeah. Give it to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. That was somebody's idea of a gag. Some half-wit in the office. Ain't much of a joke, I'll tell you. Mrs. Malloy, huh? I'll fix those guys. You gone? Yeah. Hey, well, what's your hurry? You ain't gonna leave me here alone, are you? Wait till somebody else comes in. So long, Bob. Well, 
You ought to stick around so we can talk, Randy. You're wasting it on me. Okay, Randy, but remember what I said. Don't be by yourself. Whatever you do, don't get to be alone. I stopped at the corner drugstore and bought a couple of magazines and went to my apartment ready to spend a quiet holiday. Seven o'clock. Great. Nice long evening ahead of me. Lots of time to hate the world and feel sorry for myself. I poured myself a quick drink, and then somebody rang my doorbell. Yeah, just a minute. Hi. A ten, eleven-year-old kid stood in the doorway looking up at me. His face was clean, but his clothes were patched and ragged. He wore a red pullover sweater at least five sizes too big for his skinny frame. Hello, Mr. Storm. Wow, what do you want? Don't you remember me? I remember 10,000 of you. What do you want, a handout? I'm Jerry Malloy. Remember Mrs. Malloy? Who sent you up here? Whose idea was it? McFarland's, the office wise guy? My, my mother sent me. Well, you go back and tell your mother not to send phony coins through the mails. And if your mother happens to be McFarland, tell him that... She said for me to give you this letter. I'm to wait for your answer. Look, kid, take your letter and beat it. Enough is enough. She said maybe... Will you take the letter? Now, come on, what are you waiting for? I'll leave it with you. No. Here, here's two bits for you. Now, go tell McFarland the joke is over. Now, beat it before I get mad. Mother said to wish you a Merry Christmas. Beat it. I no sooner slammed the door shut when I began feeling like a heel. And I opened the door half hoping I'd find him standing there. But he was gone. But resting on the mat in front of my door was the quarter I'd given him. I picked it up and I stood there with the coin burning my fingers. I knew I wouldn't feel quite clean again until I'd found that kid and made it right with him. Somehow. I had to get to the kid, but how? The logical starting point seemed to be the newspaper office. I put my coat on. I was about to leave when a sharp knock sounded on my door. I opened the door and a policeman came in. Mr. Stone? Oh, yeah, come in. Thanks. I'm, uh, Lieutenant Saunders. Know anything about this? Well, this envelope's addressed to me. Where did you get it? Do you recognize it? A kid came in here about 15 minutes ago and wanted to give it to me. You sure this is the same letter? Well, the writing's the same as another letter I got at the office. Why? What happened? Um, the boy who brought you this letter. What's his name? I don't know. He said it was Malloy, but I don't think it is. Give me a description. Oh, he's, uh, oh, 10, 11 years old. Oh, 95 pounds, light brown hair, wearing a faded red sweater, patched trousers. What's this all about? Hit by a car. Driver picked him up and took him away. Hit? How bad? Nobody knows. Woman who saw it from a window thinks the kid was dead. The car got away? Yeah. She didn't see the license number. When we got there, we found this letter on the street. And uh, the, uh, the kid may be dead? Yeah, it looks like it. Said his name was Malloy, huh? Yeah, that's what he said. Can I see that letter? Maybe there's something in it. Sure. What's it say? It's kind of hard to read. Hmm. Looks like some kid wrote it. Um, dear Mr. Stone, we're hoping that you'll come out to have Christmas dinner with us. I told Jerry not to leave till he brings back your answer saying yes. It's signed Mrs. Catherine Malloy. I don't know a Catherine Malloy. Well, maybe they mistook you for somebody else. I thought it was part of an office gang, and I still think so. 
Let me go back there and check. I'll call you later. Uh, where do you work, Mr. Stone? Chicago Star. Oh, you're that Randy Stone. Well, look, if you get any information, phone it into the precinct. Uh, hi, Randy. What's the matter with you? Look like you've been run over by a streetcar. Well, that's how I feel. Collins, you got to help me. Well, if I can, sure. What is it? Now, first of all, tell me. Did anybody in the office plant a phony coin in an envelope and send it to me in a Christmas card? Not that I know of. Who'd pull a crazy stunt like that? I don't know. I got to find out about that kid. What kid? Well, he came to my apartment with a message, and on his way home, he was hit by a car. Bad? A driver picked him up and took him away, and the cops think that he was dead. And you don't know the kid? No. He said his name was Jerry Malloy. He, he said it like it should have meant something to me. But it doesn't. I've never seen him before. Well, maybe it's someone you've forgotten. A guy meets a lot of people in this business. Yeah, there could be. I want you to do something for me, Ed. What? Check with as many of the boys you can reach at home. Find out if they know anything about the kid, and then phone the police and see if they've found him. You want me, I'll be in the library. What are you going to do there? Well, something that makes me shudder, but I'm going to do it anyway. What's that? I'm going to dig back through all my stories for the past year and see if I can find a Mrs. Malloy. Maybe you didn't use her name. Well, I'll see what I can find. You get busy on that phone. Collins left me alone and I went to work. It's funny how inane some of the stuff you write seems after it's been buried. Only three of the bits offered any idea of who Mrs. Malloy might be. One, about a woman who'd refused to leave a cat in a burning house. Another, about a middle-aged lady bookie. And the last, about a woman and her family who were being evicted from a slum apartment for lack of rent money. The story was about the bystanders and how they dug into their pockets and raised 40 bucks so the woman could get back into her place. How are you doing? Well, I'm not sure, but I think I've got something. Well, I called the boys. They don't know anything about the kid or the letter. You phoned the police? Yeah. Well... They want you down to headquarters. Me? What for? To identify the kid. They think they found him. Dead? Not much chance to live. Where is he? State hospital. It's a pleasant chore for Christmas Eve, isn't it? Dandy. Well, then I guess they want me to go and see his mother and say, uh, guess what I brought you for Christmas? Oh, snap out of it, Randy. It wasn't your fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found headquarters and they sent a radio car to get me. From there, we went to state hospital. Lieutenant Saunders was there waiting for me. A nurse led us down a long hallway. Severe concussions and possible internal injuries, the doc said. Doesn't think he'll live. In here. This is the boy. Go on, Stone, take a look. All right, all right. Well, is that him? No. No, that isn't Jerry Molloy. For a minute, I felt a sense of relief, but I knew I was kidding myself. Sooner or later, Jerry's body would be found, and until then and after then, I'd feel the guilt to be mine. You see, by now I knew the kid was on the level. He'd been sent to me with a message offering me a home for Christmas, and in my blind stupidity, I sent him away. Nice guy, this Randy Stone. The cops dropped me off at the paper and told me they'd keep in touch. Well? No, it's not him. What are you going to do? I'm going to find Mrs. Malloy. That 50-cent coin, that's what makes it interesting. Why money in a Christmas card and a phony coin at that? 
Well, maybe she didn't know it was phony. All right, then. She didn't know it was phony, but why was she sending you money? You lending the stuff out at 15%? What? Hey, wait a minute. You got something there. Maybe she did owe me some money. That woman that was tossed out on the street, 40 bucks we raised for her. She took my name and said she'd send me my five bucks back. Well, can you remember where she lived? It was on the south side. I remember the building. Yeah, I can find her. Collins, I, I can find that kid's poor mother. Well, isn't that what you wanted? I don't know. You know what I really want? I'd like to start this whole evening over again. Think you could arrange it for me? That's the first portion of Night Beat. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Do you love classic radio shows? Now you can receive 10 classic radio shows on five CDs every month by joining the Classic Radio Club. Hi, I'm Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club so fans can receive the best of the best from my library each and every month. Join now and receive your first 10 classic radio shows on five CDs, a $39.95 value for only $4.99. Then every month, I'll hand-select 10 more of the great greatest classic radio shows and mail them to you on five cds every show will be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show log on to classicradioclub.com to join and receive your first 10 classic radio shows on five cds for only 4.99 that's classicradioclub.com or call toll free 888-642-6556 that's 888-642-6556 And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now let's get back to Night Beat. I suppose I could have let the police handle it, but I developed a burning need to tell her myself. I hopped into a cab and went scouting for the building she'd lived in. I hoped I wouldn't find it, and yet I knew I wouldn't stop until I did. I found it all right. Right where it had always been, pressed between the ugliness of two warehouses. I hung around outside for ten minutes before I could find the courage to go and face her. Apartment six she'd lived in. I stood in front of it and listened to the muffled sounds of a radio playing dance music inside. Well, hello, hello, hello. May I come in? I've got to talk to you. Oh, I'd like very much to have you come in, but my husband, he's a bouncer in the nightclub. Maybe some other time. Look, Mrs. Malloy, I've got to talk to you. Christmas Eve, go away. Hey, what Mrs. did you say I was? Malloy, Catherine Malloy. Ah, uh, I'm not Mrs. Malloy. I never was, never will be. My name's Mrs. Maddie, Carol Maddie. <laughs> you know, the more I look at you, the more I wish I was your Mrs. Malloy. But I'm not. I'm really not. How do you like that? Well, I like it a lot more than you'll ever know. You know where I can find her? She lived in this apartment oh, four or five months ago. Never heard of her. Uh, maybe if you ask the caretaker, he'll know. Thank you. Thank you. I'll do that. I was glad this woman wasn't Jerry's mother. I'd build a picture of Mrs. Malloy that didn't jive with a slightly tipsy frump staring at me out of hazy eyes. I called him a caretaker... Yes, Mrs. Malloy lived here, but she'd moved a couple of months ago, and he didn't know where to. 
He told me to try Kozlov's grocery store. The storekeeper there was a living city director. Mr. Kozlov? None other. What can I do for you? I'm looking for a Mrs. Malloy who used to live in the Elkin Apartments. I was wondering if you know where she'd move to. Malloy? Uh-huh. Oh, yes, I remember her. But I don't know where she moved to. A good woman. Didn't owe me a penny when she left. I've got to find her. She was working steady when she moved. Wages every week makes difference. Uh, you, uh, you think some of her neighbors had know where she moved to? Oh, they, they do a big turnover in some of those places. But with wages coming in regular, I think I know how you can find her. How? It's a pattern people follow. When things can't be worse, uh, then they live in places like the Elkin Apartments. But when they're working and a little money is coming in, they move up a notch. That's the way it works. Where is this notch, this step up? Uh, it's a gamble. Uh, but if I was you, I'd try Blake Avenue, uh, somewhere around 20th. Uh, that's the way it goes, from Elkin to Blake. Sometimes back to Elkin. Uh, sometimes not. Sometimes three hours can be an eternity. It was 10 o'clock now, three hours since the kid had knocked on my door. The streets were full of happy, smiling people, and the snow made everything look like a Christmas display window in one of the big stores. I'd have given ten years' salary to be like the people rushing into the stores for the last-minute presents for Aunt Agatha. I went into the stores all right, but to ask them if they knew where I could find a dead kid's mother. It took me about fifteen calls to locate her. A druggist gave me her address. 1461 Burkell Street, apartment 9. Before going there, I called the office. Hello? Oh, Ed, anybody phone? Nope. I guess I haven't found him yet. Well, how about the mother, Mrs. Malloy? You think she'd have called the police by now? Yeah, you'd think so. Well, maybe she didn't phone because she thought the kid was in good hands. Well, it wasn't your fault, Randy. Well, I've located her. And uh, now comes the pleasant part of the job, telling her about it. Uh, how will I start? Uh, Merry Christmas, Mrs. Malloy, and a Happy New Year. May the New Year bring oh, you... Oh, why are you going off the deep end like this, Randy? Yeah, I know, I know. It wasn't my fault. I was just an innocent bystander. So long. I made another call. Police headquarters. They had nothing new on it. The kid had turned up, they said. He'd be pretty dead, but he'd turn up. I told them I was going to see the kid's mother, that I'd located her. Lieutenant Saunders thought that that would be a swell idea. I walked down the street to Mrs. Malloy's apartment house, and I stood there a minute. From where I was standing, I could see the sign on top of the Chicago Star building. Mrs. Malloy lived only three blocks from my smug little tower. From Star to empty apartment to Malloy and back to the Star. But that's the way it looked geographically as well as symbolically. Another 20 minutes wouldn't matter much, I thought. So I walked the couple of blocks it took me to get back to Bobby's Bar and Grill. Hi, Randy. You're not making the rounds of the bars, are you? No, no. Uh, make it a double bourbon. Water. Double bourbon? Yeah, a double. Not much trade tonight. Ah, oh, later they come. Um, Randy... Why is it hitting you so hard? You scratch a little of the veneer off, and what do you find? A sentimental slob. 
What's bad about that? Well, then you find that you can't do things that have got to be done. Like what? What needs being done tonight? Like telling a woman that her young son is dead and that I had a lot to do with it. You're kidding. I'm not. How do you go about a job like that? Well, how did it happen? Does it matter? No. You think whiskey will help? Close the place up, Bob, and come with me. You don't have to say anything. Just stand there with me. No, 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 no. It's a one-man job, huh? As far as I'm concerned. Well, maybe you're right. I'll see you later. Yeah, I'll see you later. I climbed up the creaky old stairs. It was no better than a tenement house. Only one thing distinguished it from a slum, and that was a cool, clean smell. The walls were torn and the woodwork was scarred and marred, but it was clean. I know it's crazy, but I got a lot of courage out of that feeling of cleanliness. I stood in front of apartment nine, listening. Then I knocked on the door. Who is it? It's me, Randy Stone. Mr. Stone, how welcome you are. Come in. Thank you. I'll close the door to the children's room. They are only falling asleep, and if they hear us, they'll be sure you're Sunday. She walked away to close the door, and I wondered how I'd ever come to forget Mrs. Malloy. Her face was overflowing with a deep spiritual beauty that lighted up the whole room. She came back and sat down near me. I'm so happy you hadn't forgotten me, Mr. Stone. I was afraid you might have. Then when I was able to make a small payment on that loan, I thought I would ask you to come to see us. God will never let me forget what you did for us that night, Mr. Stone. Mrs. Malloy, I... Uh... I don't mean to embarrass you, Lily, I don't. But I knew if you possibly could, you would share some part of Christmas with us. I knew that the old and shabby furniture would make no difference to you. This humble home. But well, Christmas began in a humble home. Yes, that's what I told Jerry. Mrs. Malloy, uh, about Jerry, I don't know how to say it. Say what? What is it, Mr. Stone? Well, about Jerry not being home. I, I, I don't understand. The bedroom door opened and a boy walked out. I caught my breath and held it. It was Jerry. Jerry! Hello, Mr. Stone. Jerry, my lord. Go back to bed this night. Oh, no, please let him stay. Jerry, I heard that you were hurt. Oh, that. I was just shook up a little. The man drove me home. Jerry, you didn't tell me about that. It was nothing. Jerry, when you knocked on my door... I told Ma all about it. About the way you made me come into your room and have some fruit and candy. And how glad you were when you read that letter. That's right. And he told me how you said you would get down to our house tomorrow night if it was the last thing you ever did. That's what you said, wasn't it, Mr. Stone? Uh, I, uh... I tell you, Mr. Stone, this boy of mine is uncanny. Do you know what he told me? He said he shouldn't be surprised if you came down to visit us tonight. Did you say that, son? Didn't you, son? Yes. Tell him your exact words, Jerry. Go on. Mr. Stone is no stranger. Say it, Jerry. I said I wouldn't be surprised if he even comes to see us tonight. He needs us that bad for Christmas. In those three little rooms on the edge of the city's slums, I learned that human beings can find happiness. And don't listen to what your banker tells you. 
It's a thing of the spirit, not of the pocket. In that shabby little apartment with a cracked linoleum and a threadbare sofa, I learned the magic of the words. Merry Christmas. Copy, boy. Nightbeat, starring Frank Lovejoy, is produced and directed by Warren Lewis, edited by Larry Marcus. Tonight's story was written by Warren Lewis and Lou Russoff, with music by Robert Armbruster. Featured in tonight's cast were Kate McKenna, Sammy Ogg, Ralph Moody, Jan Arvan, Bill Conrad, and Gail Bonney. Don Rickles speaking. Our star, Frank Lovejoy, and all of us on Nightbeat wish you a very Merry Christmas. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. And that's Nightbeat from December 20th, 1950, with The Christmas Story, starring Frank Lovejoy, also in the cast, William Conrad and Ralph Moody. That was heard on NBC. That guy was very moody, that Ralph Moody. I was thinking that's you what know? I should call you. Yeah. Carl Moody. <laughs> no, my brother is the moody, crabby one. Oh, well, I thought I'm, it was you. I'm never moody or crabby. No. Never, That's ever. what I was thinking. That's what no, I meant. No, not in the least. In just a moment, we're going to tune in to the Bing Crosby Show. But I do want to remind all of our listeners to check out our classic radio club. We have a website there. You can join either the CD membership or the digital membership, and you'll get 10 classic radio shows sent to you each and every month. And I'm talking about the biggest and best shows, the best quality shows, and uh, you'll also get liner notes and fun facts about every single show. So do check out our club, the Classic Radio Club, at ClassicRadioClub.com. All right, time now for the Bing Crosby Show. This is a Christmas program from December 19th, 1952, Bing Crosby welcomes his special guest, Ella Fitzgerald. Here's part one of the Bing Crosby Show. When the blue of the night meets the gold of the day, someone waits for me. Welcome you to the Bing Crosby Show, brought to you by General Electric Company, makers of famous, dependable kitchen and home laundry appliances. Produced and transcribed in Hollywood with John Scott Trotter and his orchestra, Judd Collins with the Bears and Bing's guests, Ella Fitzgerald and Joe Venuti. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Bing. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. Oh, Bing, you look nice and relaxed. Oh, yes. Don't tell me you're all set for Christmas. Yep, got all my Christmas shopping done. Except for one present. Mm-hmm. Only one present to go, huh? Yep. Haven't bought Bob Hope's Christmas present yet. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? So I'd have something to talk about tonight. Oh. <laughs> I wonder what Hope's going to send you for Christmas. I don't know. What product is he broadcasting for this year? That, that's what I'll get. <laughs> well, Bob's on the air for Jell-O this season. Working for Jell-O, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, he's got the jowls for it, I guess. <laughs> you can enlarge on that, can't yes, you? Yes, I think I could. That boy wobbles pretty good all over. <laughs> it's in 
delicious dimensions. It's all right. But gee, Bing, if you know you're going to get Jell-O from Bob for Christmas, there isn't any surprise for you when you open your present. Oh, yes, there is. Big element of surprise. How's that figure? I don't know whether I'm going to get strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, or lime. <laughs> I have a hunch who get the raspberry. <laughs> Just so I get something. Yeah. By the way, uh, what are you going to get for Bob? A GE product, naturally. Naturally. Sure. You giving him a GE Stratoliner range, perchance? No. A GE food freezer, maybe? No. Oh, I know. You're getting Bob a GE ringer washer. Well, I'd like to run him through a ringer, and heaven knows he needs washing. <laughs> but that's not the gift I'm giving him. <laughs> well, then what General Electric product are you giving him? A light bulb. <laughs> A light bulb? Yeah, on Christmas morning when someone asks him what's new, he can say 150. <laughs> what's new? Are you listening? Oh, oh yes, that's me? W-A-T-T-S, folks. <laughs> we have to spell them. Let them go. <laughs> anyway, Ken, I'm sure Hope will like my gift because he needs a new bulb for his necktie. <laughs> right now, I think I'd like to get into the opening selection, which happens to be a thing called Sleigh Bell Serenade. John Scott, tinkle, tinkle. <laughs> you hear the jolly jingle of the sleigh bell serenade every tree's a frozen statue in a winter masquerade and the moon is winking at you with a sleigh bell serenade in the summer on a hayride night or day ride you can pass the cider jug but in the winter, every sleigh ride is a gay ride. You can sneak a hug neath the old bear rug. All the world's a white umbrella for a fella and his maid. What a lovely night to tell her to the sleigh bell serenade. When your nose is all a tingle and you're gliding down the glade. Can't you hear that jolly jingle of the sleigh bell serenade? Every tree's a frozen statue in a winter masquerade. And the moon is winking at you to the sleigh bell serenade. In the summer on a hayride, Night or day ride, you can pass the cider jar. Ah, but in the winter, every sleigh ride is a gay ride. You can sneak a hug beneath the old bear rug. All the world's a white umbrella for a fella and his maid. What a lovely night to tell her to the sleigh bell serenade. What a lovely night to tell her To the sleigh bell serenade Gentlemen, I'd like to present a very wonderful singer, a great recording star who's long been a favorite of yours and 
certainly of mine, Miss Ella Fitzgerald. Yes. Well, what's your opening selection tonight? I thought I might do a medley of songs. You can never miss with a medley. What do you got there? Let me see. Trying? <laughs> That's a song you got a big record out now. And my favorite song. And the Devil in the Deep Blue Sea. So that's a very stylish threesome. Step right in here, Ella. Take over. For me, 
favorite song is the song that they play when I'm dancing. Anytime that I'm dancing, but that's only true. That's the first portion of the Bing Crosby Show with special guest Ella Fitzgerald. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hey, fans of Classic Radio, Carl Amari here. I've created a free app just for you. Get 10 Classic Radio shows free in the Classic Radio Shows app. Plus, there are many more shows available for in-app purchase. You can get your free Classic Radio Shows app in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. The easiest way to get your free app is to log on to Hollywood360radio.com and scroll down to the Classic Radio Shows app banner and click either the Google link or the Apple link. Don't miss out. Get your free Classic Radio Shows app today. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Well, next time it's the conclusion to the Bing Crosby show from 1952. Then we will tune in to Candy Matson Detective in a Christmas show starring Natalie Masters from 1949. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.